0: Hello, lovely listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and for their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. In this episode, Carmen talks about the history of international adoption in Guatemala, and I do want to give a trigger warning because this topic does contain discussions of child abuse, child abduction, and death. If those are things that you cannot listen to, then feel free to skip this episode and join us next time. Listen with caution. Everyone, this is Carmen and Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, where today I will finally be telling Christina and you listeners about something. Yeah, wow, it's finally a Carmen episode. It's been a long time. It has. It takes me a while to get my brain together enough to stick to a topic and research it and then write notes like You keep choosing like very heavy research episodes. Like, I've been choosing, like, shorter ones. Yeah. So, I um, no, I had told you that I was in between, like, two things. So, I ended up... No, I already did tell you, right? No, I don't think you told me which one you ended up choosing. Oh, okay. Out of the two. So, I'm going to be talking about international adoption in Guatemala. Okay, that's what... Okay. And specifically uh, to the U.S. So... I don't know. Tell me what comes to mind when you think about international adoption. I think it was like a couple years ago now when uh, Trump was choosing someone as the head of Betsy Davos. Was that her name? So I heard she had like a, a Christian adoption agency. Yes. Uh, Bethany or some That's shit. That's what I comes think. to mind. Oh, okay. Maybe potential illegal adoption scenarios. I don't know much about it, though, but that's what I think of that. Whatever they're doing is not ethical. Okay, yeah. So not too long ago, international adoption was a booming industry um, with many Americans adopting children from like China, Guatemala. Oh, my God. You know what I actually think of Angelina Jolie? Oh, yeah. She's in my notes. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Because I also think of her also from many countries in Africa.
1: Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to
0: just say Africa, right? Because it's not a country, it's a continent. But I didn't yes. have time to look for any specifics. <laughs> so that's yeah, because there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah. But we all hear about, I don't know, issues with uh, people wanting to adopt specific- specifically from Africa. Yeah. I also think about when people say like what about all the veterans at home? And then they don't ever say like, what about all the babies in the adoption system here in the United States? Like, (laughs) Yeah. So even longer ago than that, right? Many Americans adopted European children from countries like Romania. So a lot of the research about the harm um, of like, this is a hard word to say, institutionalization. Wow, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Yeah, I would have stuttered. (laughs) Comes from Romania because um, there was a lot of like orphanages in Romania where children were basically neglected because there was too many babies and not enough staff to care for them. Right. I have heard about that. Yeah. And so I think from issues from Romania came something called the Hague Convention. Which I learned about that from when I... So when I was in the master's program for my social work program. Okay, little miss, I have my master's. No, I'm just kidding. Little miss. (laughs) Sorry, those memes are going around right now. So yeah, little miss, educated Latina. (laughs) I did my like final... It's not like a thesis because it wasn't like research I had to like present and whatever. It was what's called an exam. But basically, my topic was about the... um border separations that were going on okay Um, and so one of the questions that I researched was about attachment theory and okay yeah 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 and uh, basically the harm that happened to institutionalized children like I said a lot of the research comes from the Romanian children and so that hate convention was adopted like around I don't remember the years so I was going to, I opened my research paper to look at the year and I just didn't have time to look at the Hague convention specifically. But basically it's like a uniformly like agreed upon things that like are healthy and right for children when it comes to adoption. It was signed in 1980. Thank you. So actually it came after this then. It, it happened because there was a lot of uh, international adoptions like from China and from war-torn countries. Oh, I see. Yeah, but I think a lot of the the research that was used to develop the convention about what's actually in the best interest of children came from the Romanian
1: institutions oh. and
0: things like that. And did you know that the United States was super late in adopting the hate conventions? And, of <laughs> course, when everything that happened with Trump um, separating the children at the border, um, we were hella violating <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like hell off topic for my notes. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just started talking about that. It's not even in my notes. It just- <laughs> it's just things that just you know talking you about. Have a masters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um because I was talking about the Romanian adoptees. Yeah. Yeah, did you know you've heard about Romanian adoptees and things that the main thing I've heard and came across is that they were like crying and crying for help and eventually they cry so much that no one comes. They learn that no one's going to come and then they stop crying and then they don't cry. And then they're like emotionally damaged forever. Yeah, basically they develop attachment, like severe attachment issues. Mm -hmm. And I think from that came um, something called uh, reactive attachment. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they're so negatively like impacted by the lack of everything (laughs) yeah bonding and that they would like once they were like in homes and stuff they basically didn't know how to react and they they would like lash out and things like that yeah wasn't there a study with like little three-year-olds that the so they studied different kids the mom will leave the room come back and a kid that like a kid that doesn't want to go near the mom has attachment issues the kid that cries and cries when the mom leaves i don't know the exact different attachment styles yeah but like a unhealthy attachment style would be like a child that doesn't want to go near the mom after she comes back into the room because basically he's um scared that and i'm saying he because i think they did it on boys because back then everything (laughs) our research was done on males so yeah anyway back to my notes I think that when a lot of us think about international adoption, we think about celebrities like Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Uh Mia Farrow. Yes. (laughs) Let's not. That's a whole issue. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, I think for a long time, especially longer ago before we had, I don't know, I think social media has given people more access to um, different like viewpoints and people are able to share their um, voices more easily right and so I think now we have uh, international adoptees that are able to voice out like their experiences and so they're not always positive (laughs) yeah to say the least I think for a long time adoption was thought of as a positive thing because it it was viewed as children being saved and gaining a family Uh uh-huh uh-huh and the harm that it could potentially cause, you know, was just an afterthought, if if that. And I'm not here to bash adoptions, right? I think they can be a good thing. But I think that we also need to consider that without, without loss, there is no adoption, right? On TikTok lately, I've been coming across a lot of people sharing their experiences, not even international adoption, just being yeah. adopted here in the United States and how like You were just saying that people saw it as like, oh, they're being saved, like especially especially right now with the abortion issue going on. um, People are like, I'll adopt your babies or like adopt. Mm -hmm. Like it's being thrown as a solution. But like a lot of people are sharing on TikTok that it's not a solution. There's actually one really good page. I wish I had the um, handle for it, but she's an Asian American and her parents are white. Mm-hmm. and so they're sharing their experiences all together and i'm like wow what it takes to sit there with your child and have them tell you like well and see and that sounds like it's um like they're recognizing they are you know, yeah together mm-hmm. but a lot of times adoptive parents are Do not. unwilling yeah they they have one video where they're like we recognize that the, the best thing would have been for her to stay with her family and then the second yeah. best thing would have been for her to be adopted by another asian family so we were like the last resort. You just spoiled my whole uh, episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, th- I think that's a generally accepted um, thing you, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. Again, without loss, there is no adoption because when children are available for adoption, it means that the parental rights of their Bio parents have been terminated, right? Without that, right. there is no adoption. And that yeah. means that, you know, their legal ties, not only then with their parents, but their whole biological family have been severed. Yeah. And, you know, even back in the day, open adoptions were even less common than now. And so people would, or adopt these, you know, had no ties anymore at all, depending on how old they were. Um, when they were adopted to mm, their biological yeah. families that sometimes they weren't even told, but they knew the whole time something was different. You know, it's just, there's a lot of issues. And I wish I had looked up the stats for adoptees, but adoptees have high, high, high rates of dying by suicide. Oh, I should have given a trigger warning, sorry. <laughs> I'll put one in the beginning of this. So uh, depression, just, again, there is no... Without loss, <laughs> there's no adoption. And yeah. for a long time, like no one looked at the mental health issues that could happen to adoptees from being adopted. Um, and that's without even saying the issues that come that happen when um, adoptees are adopted by parents that are not from the same racial and ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, that was a whole just general. <laughs> That was just like a a short little intro. Yeah. Now finally on to international adoption in Guatemala. So it rose after the Civil War ended in nineteen ninety-six, which is a whole other topic. We should add that to the topic list. This episode we don't have time to get into. But it rose after nineteen ninety-six and then the numbers of international adoptions only continued to grow after that. In two thousand six and two thousand seven, Guatemala sent almost as many children to the u.s for adoption as china did oh so at first like i don't know glance or a first hearing that it doesn't like mean anything but then you remember (laughs) how much bigger yeah so china is about um 88 times bigger than guatemala oh my god yeah there was, there is about one billion more people residing in China than in Guatemala, and for those numbers to be the same, so in two thousand seven, five thousand four hundred and fifty three children were adopted from Guatemala. Oh, sorry, no, I messed that up. Five thousand four hundred fifty three children were adopted from China, while four thousand seven hundred twenty eight children were adopted from Guatemala. In two thousand seven, one out of a hundred and ten Guatemalan born children were adopted in the u.s so like one out of a hundred kids basically wow and yeah at one point guatemala was called an adoption paradise that sounds so wrong hearing that phrase is like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah like if some place is called that you should just know it's like ripe with corruption right like how can you not think about that yeah So, um, yeah, it was known as Adoption Paradise because of how fast the adoption process was. But, of course, this came at a huge, huge price, literally, to the people looking to adopt, but at a, you know, much bigger cost to Guatemalan mothers and children. So money was a primary factor in the adoption industry. And as we know, with tons of money comes tons of corruption. Yep. So the corruption of the adoption industry eventually led to international adoption being to the U.S. specifically being closed and then reformed. Yeah, but we'll get into that uh, a bit more later. So before the reform, about 98 percent of international adoptions from Guatemala went through private attorneys. Who oversaw both sides of the adoption, meaning that the attorney would witness the birth mother sign away her parental rights and then legally assign the child to foreign parents for a fee without any d- judicial oversight or intervention from a social service agency? Mm, that sounds wrong. So it sounds like a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time adoption to the US was closed, attorneys were charging. Oh, and it was also um, attorneys and uh, notarios, which I think is what they call attorneys out there, no? You notarios? know, this is what confused us. And, from, um, from Teresa de uh, Novela. <laughs> Actually, no, I think it was um, attorneys, but also notary-like people that had the power to uh, sign documents and stuff like that. So by the time that adoption to the U.S. was closed, attorneys and notarios were charging 35000 Oh, sorry, $3,500, not 1000 <laughs> Damn, thirty-five thousand? 3500 and above per adopted child, along with monthly foster care fees. Wow. Um, and foster care is, like, in quotations, because there were no... Um, Regulations? There, yeah, there was no, actually, like, foster homes as we know them that are, like, uh, uh, operated, licensed through government oh and social God. service agencies. Oh, so, wow. um Foster care homes were like private homes that the attorneys managed themselves. <laughs> so, oh my god, oh my god, yeah. what a yeah, <laughs> what a that's I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three hundred fifty hundred dollars. Oh, sorry, where the okay? Okay, no, I was saying thirty five thousand, which is yeah, like three five zero zero zero, three five zero zero zero, yeah. Oh, no, that is $35,000. i am so God. sorry. I'm so horrible at this because you know how sometimes people say like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm horrible at this. So $35,000. But the reason I was getting confused is because then I one of the articles I was reading said that now, the money now, or not now, but the money, it was $35,000 like uh, in Guatemala money. Oh, I see. But that would equate if. If it was in the U.S., that would equate to three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So I mean, that's like the price of like a house before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So imagine paying that much per adopt. adoption, per not even per adoption, right? Because uh, per child to adopt. So, like, say it was siblings, it was like a oh, separate. Oh my god! Yeah. So I mean, yeah, of course, one wonders why anyone would pay that outrageous price to adopt internationally, and the answer to me brings up icky feelings of um, white saviorism. Uh-huh, and, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Fetish. Oh my god. Fetishization. fetishization. Yeah, we both said that wrong. Yeah, we both said it wrong. Yeah. Fetishization. <laughs> fetishization of brown babies. Oh just don't even say that word anymore. Stop trying. <laughs> We're saying it the one time and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no more. And because of those icky feelings, I have like a limited amount of empathy for the Americans that are spending um, this much money. Dished out. Yeah. 35000 plus to adopt the brown babies from another country on top yeah, of that. Yeah, from another country. There's plenty of brown babies here. Not that that's yeah. still the solution, but yeah. And I have much more empathy for the Guatemalan mothers and children that, you know, were impacted by the corruption in the adoption industry. So what ended up happening is that babies, of course, (laughs) were in high demand. Yeah, as always. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that ended up adopted while children that were actually already available for adoption languished in institutions. Oh, my gosh. And so, because babies were in high demand, many children were bought, defrauded, coerced, and kidnapped away from their parents. Oh my god! Yeah, because there's like a limited, and it's it feels gross to talk about supply and demand or in this some way. shit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a limited quote supply. What well, did of you babies available? Off, um, off topic from this, but did you see yeah. in the draft of the? Roe yes. v. Wade that they were trying to do what they ended up doing but the draft said in it yeah. like that the supply of baby of American babies was or American infants was like dwindling or some sh- it's disgusting yeah something like that and after the they overturned Wade there was a um and I don't know why he's even still like at talks or rallies because what is he now nothing but Trump <laughs> there was Oh was rally or some shit and he was there and there was this like woman speaking and he was like next to her but basically i don't know if you saw the clip i did not she ended up saying and like i don't remember word for word but she basically ended up saying that the roe v wade being overturned was like a triumph for white america basically because it meant that there would be more babies or some shit like that I didn't see that clip, but there's also a different video from like 1980 something or even before that of that one professor. She has that study where she has her classroom, like she makes them pretend. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Jane something. Yes. But in, and there's, she has a video where she's saying, like, the reason that so many. Republicans or uh, conservatives are against abortion is because um, this will keep the demand for... Or it's going to criminalize, you know, the marginalized and demand uh, of white women that are not marginalized to have babies to supply... To keep white babies up because there's not enough white babies. And this, this ties into the whole thing that they're saying now about white replacement theory or whatever. (laughs) And I'm sorry, you can hear my baby, but I'm not saying that again. (laughs) (laughs) No. And it's a whole, it's a whole thing about how abortion even became like a a right wing um, Christian issue because before um, the rise of Christianity being tied to the right Mm -hmm. Christians, Didn't even care about abortion. It was like a Catholic issue. Mm, Yeah. There's a, I think, I haven't read it, but I think there's from other like, like watching Fundy Fridays and mm -hmm, highly recommend if you're um, same interested in, yes. There's a book. um, It's like John Wayne and something. (laughs) Hold on. Let me look for the title because I'm just going to sound dumb. If I don't say it. The book, I think, is called Jesus and John Wayne or some shit like that. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, it explores the ties between evangelicals, Trump, and militant masculinity. And I think in that book is where it talks about when the right wing, like, I don't know, machine, I don't know what to call it, took Mm -hmm. up um, or decided (laughs) that um, abortion was something that would pull in Christians and make their numbers bigger, basically. Actually, I also learned about that from um, an episode on um, the podcast Behind the Bastards, which sometimes I listen to episodes that are, like, are interesting. I have a meaning to sometimes listen to it, yeah. Anyway, also, sorry, I know we went way off topic, but this is why a lot of... um The Latina community votes conservative literally solely on the issue of abortion because a lot of us are Catholic and Catholicism was like, that was the first religion against abortion, it seems. Um, Don't quote me on that. No, I want to say that it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I remembered what the episode was so I could recommend it from Behind the Bastards, but they have hella episodes and I can't look through them all. Yeah. They have a ton. Like, they've been going on for years now and yeah. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, but that's kind of what interested me in looking up um, international adoption, just because I know there's tons of issues involving international adoption. And I'm like, well, there's bound to be some issues in Latin America. And then that's when I found out that Guatemala was one of the highest, like, affected. And so before adoptions to the U.S. were closed, about nine out of ten adoptions involved babies less than a year old. My goodness. Meanwhile, um, there were about 5,600 children and teens housed in institutions, and about one-third of them were actually available for adoption. And out of those, only 130 infants were available for adoption. Wow. Wow. So although there were only 130 infants free for adoption from Guatemalan institutions, Private attorneys were finalizing adoptions of, uh, for about 270 babies to the U.S. per month. Per month? Yeah. Per month. Yeah. So the children who actually needed homes were left without permanency, and private attorneys procured babies for pay in the most shady ways to meet the demand of hopeful American adoptive parents. So most Americans, and it seems very, I don't know, like how could they, but Most Americans looking to adopt children were unaware that attorneys were buying and defrauding and coercing and kidnapping children. But I don't know. To me, I'm like, how can you how can you not think about why is there so many babies up for adoption? (laughs) Like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, you know, they're not thinking about this. I think you have to know, but you have to have a sense of denial. And what's there's a cognitive dissonance is the word I was actually looking. Yeah, because that's a stronger than denial. You know, they're not thinking about it at all. Yeah. So various organizations conducted investigations looking into the issues surrounding international adoption in Guatemala, and they found that in rural... I hate that word. <laughs> I can't stand the word either. <laughs> Did you... So I didn't... I think I only watched like one season of Dirty Rock, but there was um, an episode. I watched a lot of Dirty Rock. Oh, really? I don't remember how much I watched, because I know I didn't finish it, but there was an episode... the. I think you'll know since you watched it. The Rural Jur. <laughs> yes. Oh, and every time I, I have to say the word rural, I think of Rural Jur. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, they found that in rural communities, some families spoke openly about selling babies for $300 to support their families. Oh, my God. And it also uh, found that of the children adopted were relinquished by women who had given up several children year after year. Yeah, and you know, like I think some people are maybe hopefully not our listeners. Some people are like quick to demonize like, oh, they're selling babies. Like, why are they doing this? But, you know, this became what they had to be reliant upon. Like, you're literally saying what I have written down. (laughs) Oh my God, hashtag twins, hashtag twinning. So, anyway, yeah, this basically suggested that pregnancy had become a job, making these women informal surrogates. Uh, yes, 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 yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, 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 sorry, I'm sorry, sorry we're listeners. sorry, yeah, if you listen to any of us, any of our other podcasts, it's that, you know, it's like a thing we do, yeah, we're from California, okay, <laughs> So, a successful pregnancy paid as much as a year's worth of working in domestic servitude. Wow. It's not even, it's not even a question at that point. Like, if people here yeah. consider surrogacy, what's the difference? Exactly. I don't yeah. see a difference. And, of course, domestic servitude has a, its whole <laughs> set of issues as yep. well. Just uh, ripe also for exploitation. Yeah. So um, several Guatemalan NGOs found that some young women had been defrauded and told they could stay in maternity homes or strangers' homes for free in exchange for light housekeeping. But once they gave birth, they were given a FAT bill for prenatal care and services, which would be waived if the new mother signed away the rights to her baby wow wow yeah. and and you know this is why i hate like people using handmaid's tale as uh, dressing up in handmaid's tale cl- costumes to go protest when it's like you don't even know that this is already an issue for a lot of people yeah it's it's been it's not fictional for marginalized communities yes exactly yeah The NGOs also found that there were medical adoption rings in which the same midwives, nurses and OBs delivered many of the babies that were uh, that ended up being relinquished for adoption. Wow. So it's like the same issue as the attorneys having no oversight. Like, how can these doctors that deliver these babies be involved in so many adoption? You know, it's like sketchy as hell. They had they had the little ring going on. Yes. Yeah. So, upon further investigation, it was found that some of these medical professionals drugged the mothers to steal their children. No. Oh, my God. So, yeah, they also found that these medical professionals coerced the mothers into relinquishing their children by presenting them with high prenatal care bills, like the same situation as the supposed homes that were caring for these mothers. And that brings up similarities to these places. Uh, what do they call the birth centers that pretend to just be, um, they sometimes they pretend to be abortion clinics and they're not. And then they'll perform ultrasounds yeah. and manipulate pregnant people into keeping the pregnancies mm-hmm. or they'll book out appointments so far that it'll already be past the, the limit, right? The timeframe that you can have an abortion And then they'll even lie to them and say, oh, we'll help you. And then when the um, person has given birth and they ask for help, they're like, no, we're not going to help you. I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) Exactly. Do I know you? I don't know you. Like, fucked up. Fucked up. So even worse, there were reports of, I mean, it's already bad enough to be drugged. (laughs) Yeah. And anyway, there were also reports of women having their children literally kidnapped from them. So some women had children kidnapped from their jobs and their buses. Like, sometimes they would be working and the kids would be with them because it is what it is. And they would take the children. Or, like, while while the women would change, like, from one bus to another, they would just, during that time, like, steal the babies. Oh, not even babies, like kids. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So one woman... Raquel Pad reported she had been drugged on the bus and woke up to find her one-year-old missing. Oh, my God. A year later, she learned that her daughter had been adopted by an American couple. That's terrible. Yeah. Another woman, Thelma, Cristina Sol's son, was kidnapped um, while she worked at a tortilla stand. Wow. So by the time she found him, and at least she found him. Oh, that's good. The false identity paperwork for his adoption had been prepared, but he hadn't been adopted yet. Wow. So okay, so that's cuz that's what I was wondering like if there was not enough young kids, young babies, but they were still adopting them out. I was like, how are they doing this? But duh, fake. Yeah. So they were either they were manipulating the moms coercing them or moms in financial, well, in poverty saw this as the only way to support their already, you know, existing family. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were kidnapping them. And so When they would kidnap them, they would make fake paperwork, like fake birth certificates, things like that. Yeah. So another woman, Ana Escobar, her daughter had been kidnapped as well, but she ended up visiting government offices and daycare, searching through daycare centers like two to three times a week, searching for her daughter. And she did find her, but by the time she found her, her daughter Esther had been renamed and was a few weeks away from being adopted a couple in Indiana. Wow. Was she able to get her back then or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So in 2008, Dateline NBC aired an episode titled To Catch a Baby Broker. And this detailed an American couple from New York. And it also had other couples in there. Whose hopeful adoption turned out to involve, of course, exploitation at the hands of a man who was responsible for many shady adoptions. Um, and that's why it's titled to catch a baby mm, broker mm-hmm. <laughs> so the couple jason and janelle mm. red flag which who <laughs> dates someone with the same right <laughs> like what are they twins <laughs> disgusting <laughs> yeah only twins can have names <laughs> like uh, what do they call it? alliteration yeah yeah like us <laughs> yeah. so um jason and janelle both said that their desire to adopt stemmed from having lived in South America and witnessing poverty and hopelessness. So (laughs) white White saverism. saverism. Oh, my God. We said that (laughs) at the same time. So um, they uh, talked about seeing hundreds of children being on the streets without homes, seeing toddlers on the street all alone. And yeah, that does happen, right? Where I'm not minimizing the issues and the poverty and the neglect. That does happen in guatemala and Mm -hmm. all over but still white (laughs) savers so they had a bio child already and then they tried to adopt from brazil but after waiting for two years for a child to become available they decided to adopt in guatemala and this is the issue to me though because Mm -hmm. so people were adopting in guatemala because of how fast the process was but in other places where adoption is actually regulated it takes a long time for a child to become available for adoption, right? Yeah, like it should have been assigned. Of course, there's issues. There's already issues with, you know, the foster care system and children being adopted, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, it takes anywhere from six months to two years or plus for, well, te- legally, technically, the, the, Adoption law I forgot what the hell it's called I should know this, but <laughs> um the adoption um act I forgot what it's called here mm-hmm. in the United States um basically when children are three and under they the parents have six months six months to reunify um when they're doing well at the six month mark they can extend that up to a year um And for older children, um, parents have up to a year to 18 months. So when they're not able to, then if the children are on track for adoption, because they also like, there's things like legal guardianship with relatives Mm -hmm. um, or even uh, adoption by relatives because relatives are always a preferred option. But because of those timeframes and because relatives are the preferred option, where adoptions are actually regulated. That's why it takes so long <laughs> for a child to become available. It should have been a red flag. And that is my issue with all these people that were, you know, frauded by the baby brokers and what what not. Like how did you not think it was a red flag that children, babies less than a year old, took four to six months to adopt? That's not normal anywhere. And they should have known that. But that's the thing they were yeah. choosing. But they don't want to wait. They don't want to deal with the yeah. bureaucracy and the timelines and the law <laughs> in the United States because they're entitled. Yep, yep. So back to this. So, but see, that's my issue with all of it. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? You should have fucking known. Yeah. And you see the, the harm that ignorance causes. Yeah. After waiting two years for childs to become available in Brazil, they decided to adopt in Guatemala. And despite hearing about the bad press... And of mothers being coerced into giving up babies, they moved forward. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, they heard, <laughs> heard about they, it. They knew and they still did it. Okay, wow. Yeah. No yeah. empathy for these people whatsoever. <laughs> so so in, in their minds, they justified it because they heard that most of the adoption or most of the corruption, sorry, involved babies. They decided to adopt an older child. But do you want to hear the age of the older, older Two. child? 18 months. An 18-month-old. That's wow. a freaking baby. That's not even a... T- yeah. God. It's, it, this is like cognitive dissonance to the to max. To the max. Like, Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. Like, I'm glad they got scammed or whatever happens. I don't know. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. No, I was going to say, no, I'm not. Because at the expense of it all, it's a little baby and a Guatemalan mother. Yeah. So Jason and Janelle used a U.S. adoption agency called Adoption Blessings based in Georgia. This adoption agency told them that then there was an 18-month-old named Angie who was in need of a home because the mom had just given her up because she could no longer care for her, like, to afford to care for her. And I'm like, that alone, mothers should not have to give up their children because they can't afford No, imagine instead of (laughs) the money that went into adoption, if that went to the families, like... Yeah. So over the next few months, Jason and Janelle received photos of Angie and sent gifts to her. And, um... They saw her as their daughter, even though they had never met her and only sent (laughs) gifts to her and received Mm -hmm. pictures. Whatever. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. Um, So soon things started to go wrong. First, they discovered an age discrepancy. They were told that Angie was 18 months old, but the birth certificate they received for her said she was two and a half Mm -hmm. years old. Um, mm Hmm. And then even worse, they received a call informing them that Angie had been taken from her foster home during some kind of police raid. So they were like distraught. They're like, what's going on? So Jason went to Guatemala to find out exactly for himself what was going on. And he soon discovered it was worse than he could have oh, ever thought. What? Uh apparently there was never a police raid, but there was police raids going on in foster homes and like adoption. Mm -hmm. agency homes because of all the issues that were happening and these were legit raids um, and they weren't like the quick raids to take babies for other agencies because that was where my brain went they were actual um police raids to reunite the children okay Okay. actual biological families Um, but in this case there was no police raid instead A private attorney had been hired by a woman working in the adoption business who suspected something was wrong with Angie's case. So, from the 2020, the article I read was transcribed from the episode. So, it wasn't super clear to me how this happened, but the private attorney discovered that, or everything went down, sorry. And what wasn't clear to me was how the private attorney found this out or what situation happened that led to this happening. Yeah, but what happened was that. Angie was waiting at a doctor's office and then she saw another little girl that she recognized. Um, the two girls ran to each other. They started crying. They hugged. Oh, my God. It was her sister. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So the girls then... And the other one was older than her. And the older um, sister then disclosed that they had been kidnapped from their home. Oh, my God. And separated. Yeah. And somehow the private investigator... Tape this incident. So I don't know how it happened. He must have happened. been following them, telling Angie or something, yeah. Yeah, something like that is yeah. what I imagine. So the video shows the older girl clutching oh, her babies. sister, like, oh my God, I know. I did not expect you to make me cry today on this Saturday night. I'm sorry. Night. <laughs> I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but this is like, yeah, it's yeah, a lot. Wow. It's like tough to... <sighs> um you know th- these kind of things mm-hmm. happened so um the older sister explained that four months prior a neighbor tricked them along with an older sister into getting into a car sorry and then they took them to a boarding house in guatemala oh my city God. so they literally straight up kidnapped them fuck that neighbor so the boarding house was run by a woman named Myra, and the sister. St- the older sister said that Myra physically abused them, oh my starved God. them. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I should have really given trigger warnings in the beginning. I didn't. I Well, I'm going to give everyone else a trigger warning. I didn't have any. So <laughs> I'm just taking this as it comes. And it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm emotionally, emotionally dead inside. And all of this stuff is stuff that I read about and yeah, uh, true. investigate yeah. and deal with <laughs> at so work. You're so. like. This is a sorry. Saturday for you. So, again, I'm sorry. Uh, trigger warning for Thanks, child Harmon. abuse. And everything and everything. existence. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were physically abused, starved, and threatened that, or threatened if they didn't memorize the new wow. fake names. Where were they taken from? Do you know? Um, you know, I don't know what neighborhood in Guatemala. But they were still in Guatemala City, taken to another boarding house in Guatemala City. They weren't taken out of the city. I think they were in Guatemala City, and Guatemala City is split split up into zones, and the boarding house um, was in zone one, which apparently is not a good zone. So Angie, Angie's actual name is uh, Candida. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And they didn't say the names of the other sisters. So Candida and her older sister were reunited with their mother after four months, but the third sister was still missing. Oh, yeah, and it it talks about I didn't write it down, but the um, in the twenty twenty episode, it talks about Candida and her sister like easily meddling or not meddling. What's the word? Easily hanging out, chatting. Yeah, melding, no, not melding. <laughs> like basically, they were right yeah. at home, right? And they they grew accustomed to being back at home like almost right away. But the parents. The parents struggled because they knew their other daughter was still out there. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And of course, they knew, too. The girls knew their sister wasn't there either. But it talks about the, the girls having an easier time than the parents. On top of the kidnapping rings, the 2020 investigation also found that there were facilitators hired by U.S. adoption agencies to handle everything from finding eligible Quote children. Quote, eligible. Sketchy. Yeah, to overseeing like the adoption paperwork. And uh, during their year-long investigation, they found that the name of one facilitator kept popping up over and over again. This facilitator had been accused by former clients of making promises and taking checks, but not delivering children. The man in question was a Greek man named... <laughs> some Greek name I can't remember. <laughs> some pronounce. Greek, yeah, they're hard to say. Uh, but um, his nickname was the nazis and that's what they called them i guess i don't know Um, (laughs) sorry it sounds like molasses (laughs) it does right yeah so one couple had paid eighteen thousand uh down payment to adopt a pair of twins but then discovered that he had already given the twins to another family (laughs) like (laughs) what yeah uh and the nazis i just i can't hear his name without thinking molasses Molasses, molasses. frauded. So many people, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Molasses. <laughs> well, he frauded so many families that in March 2005, the U.S. Embassy in Guatemala banned him from being involved in any U.S. adoption. Oh yeah, it didn't stop him. The investigate? No, it didn't stop him. <laughs> then it to be. Um, like staff from an adoption agency that were looking for available children to list, like f- for adoption with their agency, and they even set up like a whole website. They visited like a few different adoption or like uh, right. orphanages to kind of make themselves known around the area as an adoption agency looking mm-hmm. to do business before contacting the NASAs so that they could they could seem like legit. <laughs> so that's why it was like a year long investigation. Yeah, and they contacted him looking for you know babies that were eligible for adoption and they found that he was very much still in business. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. And then they they set up like a whole thing and then they um reveal themselves to be investigators and he blows up on them. Wow. It's a whole it's a okay. whole thing that yeah happened <laughs> on camera. <laughs> um the 2020 investigation also found that there were women working um like for the NASA's and people like him facilitators as Haladoras uh, or baby finders. That sounds like it's a bad thing. Yeah, it is. They would search for babies who can be adopted, and one woman said that she was paid five thousand wow. for each baby she refers like for adoption, while the birth mother only gets six hundred dollars oh, of that. Right. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So, um, there was more to the twenty twenty investigation. Whatever, like how they caught him, and then they. I'm gonna need to watch this. Yeah, he's reported to the embassy again, and then um, the agencies, adoption agencies that are still working with him. Um, There's, like, lawsuits that happen and stuff. And so, I mean, I feel for these people, but also, like I've been saying, and we've been saying this whole episode, like, corruption happens when human beings are treated as commodities. Oh, my God, that line. Masterpiece. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, how could these people... And that and that's like an issue in the whole, like when adoption is like a private uh-huh. industry. It's it becomes a uh, business where yeah, people and babies and the pregnant people are viewed as commodities. So it's just the whole thing is like disgusting, kind of. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, not kind of. Very disgusting. I know. Um, and one of the adoption agencies was actually even facing criminal charges for something separate. So, wow. like there's whole tons of issues with a lot of adoption agencies, especially Christian-based ones. Yeah. Like the Betsy DeVos one. Davos, whatever <laughs> yeah, the fuck her is. Fuck her. Name is. <laughs> fuck her. <laughs> Earlier, we talked about adoption reform. Yes. In Guatemala. So all of these issues is what led to reform happening And um, many international adoptions were placed on hold during the reforms to make sure they were legit. And what year are the reforms happening? Um, It was like 2008. Like after this whole, yeah. Because this whole investigation was like 2006, 2007 when they were not only the 2020, but all of the like UNICEF, different NGOs were investigating adoption corruption in Guatemala. Because I think the woman that I mentioned earlier, Ana Escobar, she kind of caused a whole, she brought attention to the issue because she went to government agencies and campaigned to bring this issue to light. Look at that. Because of what, yeah. 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 So the adoption reform basically allowed the government to take over the adoption system and eliminated all private operators in an effort to end corruption. And with this new law, uh children in need of adoption would now be referred to licensed agencies by a central authority and only after social services try to find the child a home in their family or community. Yeah, that's a lot better. And while this whole law was being implemented, the Guatemalan government did kind of mess up about nine hundred oh. <laughs> adoption oh. cases. <laughs> only because nothing can be perfect, especially when it's being rolled out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And there was like tons of issues because children that were, because there was a lot of corruption with private foster homes, the solution that the Guatemalan government ended up coming up with was to use in orphanages oh. again. And so there was a lot of issues with that. And another like major issue that, or debate that Guatemala had to deal with was that, there was some that believed international adoptive parents could provide better opportunities to adoptive mm. children, while others rightfully, <laughs> believed that children adopted by Guatemalan parents could give the child some familiar- yeah. familiarity, hard word it is um, of the culture they were born into. And so at the end of the day, Guatemala, and also, like I was saying earlier, from the Hague Convention, and there's also something called it's like a universally adopted rights of mm. the child. I don't know if you've ever seen I'm that. not, not that. I think it comes from UNICEF if I'm remembering right. And I don't know, I'm not sure. Don't quote Carmen. It comes from something. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me. So these are like widely adopted uh, beliefs. But anyway, Guatemalan officials decided that agencies need to ensure that a child's family is the first option for care, while a suitable home in the child's country is the second option. And that international adoption should be a last resort. And this is what you said earlier. Wow. Yeah, that is what I said. (laughs) And yeah, but that's why I'm saying that these are like widely now widely Uh held beliefs and not just beliefs, but like actual policies in place. And the Rights of the Child Convention also says that children have the right to know and be cared for by their parents when possible. Basically the same thing I already said. Um, by family members when parents aren't available and that family members should receive support if they can't care for the children. Yeah. And that adoptions should be a last resort. Makes sense. And they should be in-country adoptions. And then international adoptions are absolutely a last yeah. resort. Yeah. <laughs> and this was also a lot of the information I learned about when I was working on my like, research and stuff. And they, I'm pretty sure this came from also from the Hague convention. I see. Um, yeah. Stuff. So before the reforms, there was like a belief in Guatemala that Guatemalans didn't want to adopt children. But the reality was that they just couldn't financially compete How with How could Americans. they? When Americans were paying like 18,000 and adopt, 18, yeah, 18,000 in adoption. 35,000. <laughs> Sorry, my number was off. I heard 18,000 at some point during this. No, well, because there was, yeah, there was a couple That's from was 2020 it. Yeah. investigation or report, whatever, that um, mm-hmm. paid had paid that much. But the average was like 35,000 wow. plus. Wow, yeah. And and this was an issue, not only in Guatemala, but in, you know, in yeah. China. Yeah, and I remember when um, Angelina Jolie had her adopted, did her international adoptions, it was like, reported in the news as like this amazing thing that she has done yeah because yeah it wasn't always seen as how it's seen now that like a child should be placed with family first and country and their own culture second and yeah so i remember seeing news magazines at the store (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i didn't obviously didn't buy newspaper magazines (laughs) <laughs> yeah but you would be waiting in line so you would just kind of read them sometimes <laughs> yes exactly and there. that's where i learned everything against my will about <laughs> celebrities brangelina no me too and even like when you're waiting at yeah, the yeah. doctors and stuff like we didn't have phones to uh <laughs> smartphones so you had to look at whatever okay magazine was or there? People yeah, magazine yeah there was so that's yeah that's also where i unwillingly learned about yeah, because uh, Angelina Jolie had a uh, Maddox or something from like Cambodia, Cambodia. And yeah, the one baby from a country in Africa. And I don't remember. I don't remember one country, but yeah, she yeah. did international adoptions. But yeah, it was looked upon as a, a amazing thing that she did. And maybe they and I don't know. I know there was like issues with brad pitt like physically abusing them or something which is why yes. angelina ended up having cuss anyway it was what well, i know this song. <laughs> but i think for the most part those babies are okay but when you look at fucking mia farrow yeah, that's what i was gonna say and the inter- international adoptions she did and those babies who are not okay like and that was definitely before any reform or any mm-hmm. thought of reform existed yeah and there's there's like there's tons of international adoptees that have spoken up about experiencing racism <laughs> at the hands of their adoptive parents. And, and you know, that's an issue that happens in with adoptions that are non international too, because you know, most of the children that are in um foster care are children of color and black children specifically now. So a lot of them also end up being adopted by evangelical Christians because there's like a movement. In evangelical Christianity, that kind of says like that. I don't know. It's like godly or some shit to adopt, and (laughs) but people adopt without looking at any. I don't know. Without looking at racial biases, they might have. Or being introspective trauma at all. Trauma-informed care, trauma-informed adoption. Yeah. I remember yeah. a year ago or so on Instagram, there was a video of a, a white evangelical Christian mom who might have been in Congress or running for Congress. I don't remember her exact position, but she was a politician or trying to be a politician. And she has a video of her saying like, in, in, I don't know if it's a speech or what the context or if it's like an Instagram live. I don't remember the context of the video, but she has white sons and a black teenage son. And, and this was going on with when all the... Actually, it might have been almost two years ago now because that's when all the George Floyd protests oh, uh, yeah. blew up. And so... On camera she's saying like yes my no one's going to suspect my white nerdy sons the person they need to watch out for is my black son and like my and she's just comparing them but saying all these horrible things that just like are so yeah. racist and she's like she's she's defending it and she doubles down after people called her out like you can't just say that about your son and yeah <laughs> This is wow. why it's yeah because like one side of the argument is like oh what if it was the other way around it's like shut up (laughs) yeah just shut up but but yeah i think (laughs) because there's just so many people speaking out now like how they encountered racism by their own parents that adopted them like i don't know it's just it's a hard issue and like in reality in a perfect world there would be no adoption i think right yeah i think in a perfect world People would not feel the need to first have pregnancies that they yes. don't want, <laughs> second, give children up for adoption for whatever reason, right? And and people they again, they have the right to do what they feel mm-hmm. is best for them, right? But a lot of times, especially before Roe v. Wade, there was more adoptions because people were forced to carry their pregnancies. Till whatever is the word, <laughs> to, to give birth, <laughs> to term, yeah, to term. I couldn't no. think of that word. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and and that's why they want to overturn. Yep, way yep, yep. It's just, it's all disgusting. And again, like I, th- there is some adoption stories that are beautiful and people that are thankful for their adoptive mm-hmm. parents, and that's not to shame that at all. But I think that. As a whole, we need to recognize that there is always loss with adoption. And with loss comes grief, comes depression, comes... Yeah. We need to take out adoption in the conversation of abortion as well. Because you know, one is not a solution to the other. Yeah. They're like separate things. People should be able to have abortions Yeah, on demand at CVS. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that much, but no, I mean, yeah, I just don't know how that would work, but yeah, <laughs> just just order it on DoorDash, of it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's all I have. I know it was a heavy one. I know you wanted to do this when Roe v. Wade, what the the overturned? It was announced that's overturned, yeah. but um, so we're a little late yeah. with this topic because of Carmen. No. <laughs> but but still it's but, still yeah. printing. obviously <laughs> i'm glad that the reform yeah. happened in guatemala though because wow that w- was a wild ride that you took me on <laughs> i know yeah and also i didn't mention but guatemalan parents adopted parents now like a- adoptions have gone up oh, there. okay and there is less corruption yeah, that's good. Whew. Yeah, wow. Uh, well, I'm gonna go watch something happy now. Actually, the Bob's Burger movie is on Hulu now. I haven't seen it yet. Hmm. Actually, maybe I should wait for you to visit. Oh yeah, let's watch it together because Paul's not gonna watch it. Okay, yeah. perfect. Well, I think maybe next episode I'll do something lighter, like the hard shell taco. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I I'm a. You bring uh, the heavy, the heavy what is topics. The word to You're the heavy hitter. <laughs> if I'm doing a topic, it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible probably. Yeah. I'm just gonna. Yeah put that warning out there for the future yeah. so if in the beginning you're like oh this is the carmen episode let me skip <laughs> it understandable <laughs> i mean because I, here i am like bringing tacos and and dogs and but i mean a lot of this is is just dark inherently yeah. <sighs> yeah. so yeah thanks for getting through this with us and <laughs> yes thank you everyone <laughs> yeah follow us on the socials if you want you know pictures of what we're talking about updates stay up to date with us um, at historias unknown except twitter it's historia unknown historias was too long historias oh. unknown was too long so I took the s out to make it a little <laughs> bit closer because otherwise I was like what do I what do I give us as a handle I don't know <laughs> Um, or you can visit HistoriasUnknown.com. any of those are uh, options and yeah We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everyone.